When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Wildcast with Reese Monaco. Touchdown, Cowboys! Now, here is your host, Reese Monaco. Hello, everyone, from wherever you may be listening or however you may be listening. Welcome to the Wildcast this week. It is a bi week edition of the Wildcast. The Cowboys are off after winning two straight. So, uh, we'll talk a little Wyoming high school football today on the Wildcast since War Memorial Stadium will become the center of the high school football universe for the state of Wyoming. Five champions will be crowned as the state championships will be held in Laramie at War Memorial Stadium. So we will visit with Frank Gambino from wildpreps.com talking about championship weekend. It is the bye week, so uh, we will also talk some Wyoming wrestling. The Cowboy wrestling team opening up uh, the wrestling season with the Wyoming Open in Laramie last Saturday. I had a chance to visit with Cowboy head coach Mark Brand entering his 11th season as the head coach of the Cowboys. I think you might enjoy that one. And Cowgirl Basketball, Cowboy Basketball underway. I had a chance to uh, visit with uh, Wyoming Cowgirl Basketball coach Joe Ligurski in his 16th season as the head coach of the Wyoming Cowgirls. Had a fun conversation with Coach Ligurski. All of that coming up on the Wildcast. You can catch the Wildcast on all kinds of formats. Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, 
Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. This is the Wyocast. Welcome back to the Wildcast, everyone. Reese Monaco with you, coming to you from the studios here at KFBC Radio in Cheyenne. That is my home. That's where I go to work every day and uh, get my job done and uh, also a uh, double time with uh, the University of Wyoming and the Wyoming Athletic Department. So uh, certainly need to send a shout out and a thanks to station owner and general manager David H. Montgomery for allowing me to do this and uh, you know just kind of expand and broaden my horizons just a little bit doing uh, some University of Wyoming stuff. So special thanks uh, to the full Monty for allowing me to use uh, his uh, spacious uh, his space and uh, his uh, his equipment to get this done. Thank you very much, Monty. I really do appreciate it. It is a bye week. The Cowboys uh, heading into the bye week, uh, having won two straight, uh, kicking the dog out of their border war rivals, uh, CSU, to start this two-game win streak, and then uh, knocking around San Jose State last weekend at War Memorial Stadium on a cold and a chilly day. Um, I think Grapple was probably, uh, for those of you listening to the radio broadcast, Grapple was probably the name of the day. Um, I think Dave and Kevin asked me what it was doing, and I said it was grappling. And uh, from that point on, Grapple became the the catch word for the broadcast. And, you know, I took a little, and somebody on Twitter mentioned that I took a little bit of ribbing from uh, Dave and Kevin uh, by using the word grapple. But you know what? If you're going to take a little bit of ribbing from uh, some guys, it might as well be two Hall of Famers and probably one of the best uh, broadcast crews that has ever been assembled, uh, Dave Walsh and Kevin McKinney. So I'll take a little bit of ribbing from those two dudes. It's a pleasure working with them and being being around them and if uh, they uh, if I the thing about it is I had Amy Dambro. Amy Dambro was spotting up in the booth for uh, Dave and Kevin. So I sent Amy a text. I said, Amy, would you please look up the word grapple? Uh, and she looked it up. She showed it to him. And I was exactly right because that's what was going on at War Memorial Stadium. It wasn't snow. It wasn't hail. It wasn't sleet. It was that round snow that looks like those little beans that you find in bean bags that was coming down and it is called grapple if you don't believe me look it up yourself so uh, i was correct and actually i got that from uh, keith kelly at uh, kfbc he's the one that told me about it keith is a closet uh, meteorologist so uh, he uh, he's the one that told me what that was and what the word is and uh, i dropped it and uh, they took advantage of it so certainly do appreciate uh, the uh, the tweet uh, saying you know it got a little bit of ribbing from dave and kevin but like i said i will take a little bit of ribbing the cowboys uh, beating san jose state Saturday, and I don't really think the score was indicative of how badly the Cowboys beat San Jose State, especially on the the defensive end. The Cowboys just throttled uh, the Spartans. That quarterback for San Jose, uh, I was amazed sometimes that he even got up after some of the hits that he was taking. The Cowboy defense just pounded him. And uh, Wyoming, I believe, held San Jose State to just 71 yards rushing and uh, did an amazing job defensively. The Cowboy offense slowly starting to 
come out of this funk. And uh, I think you're starting to see it with the emergence of uh, Sean Chambers at quarterback. Now, you need to take this for what it's worth. The last two opponents for the Cowboys haven't been the best teams in the country or in the Mountain West. The Cowboys have beat two teams that I think they should have beat them, and they beat them the way that they should have beaten them. They dominated them on the defensive side of the football, and then the offense starting to come into its own in that regard. So if you look at it, the first part of the Cowboys' schedule was just a meat grinder. Now they're into the back half of that schedule, and it's winnable football games. And they won these football games the way they should have been won. And you can point to a lot of things, and I think a lot of people are pointing to the quarterback change uh, from uh, Tyler Vanderwall to Sean Chambers. And Sean Chambers is a true freshman, and uh, he has certainly provided a spark, and uh, he is growing into this offense. Uh, Coach Bull mentioned in his postgame show that they've only gotten about 25% of the offense in in regards to what they want Sean Chambers to do because he was running the scout team, for goodness sakes, guys. I mean, he was he was on the scout team. And what you do on the scout team is you run the opposing team's plays, the opposing team's offense for your defense to look at. He wasn't even running Wyoming stuff. So uh, in the span of about two and a half weeks, uh, he has uh, gotten to the point where he has led the Cowboys to two wins. And now in the bye week, hopefully they'll be able to open that playbook up a little bit more and get him going to do what he needs to do. And that means throwing the ball a little bit more and going uh, over through the air because they're going to have to do it at some point. Uh, You're going to have to throw the football to win some games. And they've shown that the play action has been very, very effective. Now the question comes in again i mentioned this uh, last podcast and uh, about whether or not you redshirt him if you burn the redshirt if by chance you happen to lose a football game uh, do you burn the redshirt on sean chambers and you know start a tyler vanderwall or maybe even a nick smith in the final game if you happen to lose to air force just so you can save the red shirt on Sean Chambers and allow him to have a full season under center for the Cowboys. Craig Bowl was asked that question during the post game in the San Jose State game. He answered it pretty bluntly, pretty succinctly, and uh, I think he has put this issue to rest. Yeah, I think we've already addressed that. You know, we're, we're doing whatever we can for our football team this year, and uh, Sean has got a great attitude. Um, and, you know, we have some outstanding seniors that deserve an opportunity to win every single game. And so that's uh, the mantra we have, and that decision's already been made. And we're comfortable with it. That'll be about the last time I answer that question. So I think that settles the debate on whether or not uh, the red shirt is going to be burned for Sean Chambers moving forward. I fully expect Sean Chambers to be the quarterback for the Wyoming Cowboys against Air Force, against New Mexico. And if they happen to win those two games and are fortunate enough to uh, get to a bowl, because at that point they would be bowl eligible, I fully expect him to be uh, the quarterback uh, for the Cowboys in the bowl game. And, you know, I know a lot, there's a lot of arguments, a lot of debate online, social media about, you know, the pros and cons of this. The only question I have is, as bad as the Cowboy offense was before the quarterback change, people were clamoring for a change. They wanted something different. They wanted the fans were wanting a different direction for the Cowboy offense. So if you decide to keep the red shirt for Sean Chambers, are you willing to go back to what it was before Sean Chambers was the quarterback and absorb 
that again just so you can save a full year of eligibility for him. I mean, he still would have three years to grow, three years to be the quarterback. I think that is uh, more than enough, and I think Coach Bowl has uh, had that conversation with him, and I think he's open to say, you know what, we're going to do whatever we can, and I agree with Coach Bowl. There's seniors on this football team that deserve to have every opportunity to win a football game, and uh, the final game at home is going to be against the Air Force Falcons, and I hopefully there will be a full crowd on hand when uh, say goodbye to those seniors uh, that uh, have bought into this program, have done everything that they can. I mean, you talk about uh, a Dewey Wingard and Andrew Wingard, who has just been a Cowboy favorite. I had a chance to talk to Caden Jackson after the game. What a good guy that is. He's a senior. He said, this is my last run. I got to do, we got to do everything we can to win football games. And for guys like that, I agree with Coach Bowles' decision to say, we are playing for the now. We're not looking ahead and worried about redshirt. We need to pick up wins and we need to pick up wins now as far as Tyler Vanderwall um, you know he has been doing everything that uh, coach Bull has uh, asked him to do and uh, he his uh, you know being a good teammate and he was asked during his uh, press conference this week how Tyler Vanderwall is handling uh, the demotion to uh, Sean Chambers you know it's been good uh, the times I've talked to Tyler he's <clears throat> he's always taking notes he's paying attention when he's not taking reps uh, he's been encouraging uh, during uh, during uh, plays when uh, the defense is on the field. All the quarterbacks are there. He's been really a, a great, I wouldn't say cheerleader uh, for Sean because Sean doesn't necessarily need a cheerleader, but he's been a really good teammate. And I think that's indication of where we're at as a football team. There's not guys out there that don't have a selfish agenda. And uh, we appreciate Tyler. And Tyler's, you know, there may come a time when his services are needed and he's prepared for that. Robert Gagliardi even brought the issue up with Tyler Vanderwall himself. Uh, Robert Gagliardi, the outstanding uh, beat writer for the Laramie Boomerang, uh, asked uh, if uh, Tyler Vanderwall, if he had plans to return. And this is a quote uh, from Robert uh, that he had in uh, the Boomerang and in the Wyoming Tribune Eagle, also on Twitter. Uh, and here's the quote. It uh, starts out, absolutely. And I say that because Wyoming was one of three schools to offer me a scholarship. He says, I'm a cowboy for life. I signed that letter of intent to to stay here for four or five years, and I'm going to give this school everything that I have. Now, that is taking the high road for Tyler Vanderwall, and uh, you know, he's, I think he still believes he can be the quarterback of this team, and he intends to compete uh, for the uh, starting position next year. Um, but, and I've, I like that quote because nowadays you just don't see that from uh, – guys in whether it's football or basketball or whatever if things don't go their way they just pack up and they transfer they just move on and uh, i really really respect the fact that tyler vanderwall made that statement in regards to uh, staying at wyoming and uh, he says he's a cowboy and uh, he's going to finish uh, this thing out now uh, nico evans is the same kind of guy uh He's, he's shining in his senior year. He's a guy that didn't run away when he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. He's a guy that just didn't pack up and leave when he wasn't getting a little uh, all the playing time. He stuck it out, and now he is having his shining moment for the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, he is putting together a season that is uh, 
absolutely uh, incredible. I mean, it's one for the ages, a 1,000 yards rushing. Nico Evans right now is fourth in the nation in rushing yards at 1,166 yards. He's second in the NCAA in rushing yards per game with 145, almost 146 yards per game. Um, those are huge numbers, and you, you need to remember that Nico missed two games due to injury. He was knocked out in the second half of that Washington State game when it appeared as if he was going to go on a roll and uh, really put that team on his back against Washington State. So he had to miss two games. Now, one of them was against Missouri. Uh, Yards probably would have been hard to come by against that, and the other one was against Wofford. Uh, So he may have picked up uh, some more yards there. But he's putting together an absolutely incredible season with two games left. Hopefully he can keep this thing up. I mean, you, you look at why Wyoming and the rushers and comparing him to Brian Hill. I think uh, Brian Hill, as far as my time covering the Wyoming Cowboys and being associated with Wyoming, I think Brian Hill is kind of the standard. Uh, He put together an 1,800-yard rushing season and a 1,600-yard rushing season. Uh, I'm not saying that Nico Evans would have gotten to those numbers, but I think that he probably could have pushed those numbers a little bit and uh, you know gotten close to where Brian Hill was but Brian Hill has certainly uh, set the stage uh, for as far as to set the bar real high for uh, any running backs that are uh, set to come through Wyoming and uh, Coach Bowl talked a little bit about uh, Nico Evans and the player that he has transformed himself into uh, throughout the summer and uh, he says it started in the weight room and he says it just continued on there and that started in the weight room in the winter you know, constantly I'd gotten feedback from our strength coaches about his progress, his due diligence, his attention to detail, and then his, his, uh, you know, his list began to change. And so our strength coaches had talked to, to me a couple times, boy, Nico's having a great winter. And there are some guys that uh, make strides in the weight room and it really doesn't translate to what goes on in the grass. And then he did well in the spring game. And so you kind of started to look and then, you know, the times during this year, uh, he, he's got really good vision. And where he has changed is he's got an extra gear. I mean, and he's pulled away, whether it's Boise or last week, time and time again, he's pulled away from uh, defenders. And as you know, I think Boise's got guys that can really run in the second, or he ran away from those guys and he ran away from the San Jose State guys. And so he's really turned into a, being an excellent running back, being patient, and it's a – I think uh, Nico is a is a case in point that goes 180 degrees difference from everybody else right now in college football. If I'm not playing, if I'm not quote the man, I'm leaving. And here's a guy that had um, <clears throat> put his time in, was a, a reserve running back, was more or less a guy that we utilized on pass protections, hardly ever run. Uh, and here's a guy that. Uh, you know, waited his turn, and not just waited, he improved, he embraced the, the opportunity that he was given, and he's an excellent runner, and I think his numbers are bearing that out. I did have a chance to look at some of the NCAA statistics for Wyoming, and I know they're on a two-game winning streak, and the offense looks better, but because the offense was, uh, I had a hard time saying, the offense was so bad uh, to start this season before a couple of weeks ago, you still look at the uh, or the rankings for the Wyoming Cowboy offense. Total offense, they are still 124th at 318 per game. Uh, passing offense, 124th at 125 per game. And after a game like San Jose State, when I think they only passed for 51 yards, 
it's not going to go up. Wyoming turning into the Air Force Academy, at least for one game, against San Jose State when uh, they uh, ran the ball for close to 500 yards and passed for just 51. Those are Air Force numbers. Those are Navy numbers. Those are numbers that you see out of wishbone teams. Those are numbers, and I liked that new uh, look that, the Cowboy offense put in when you had uh, Sean Chambers in the uh, shotgun. You had the two running backs to his right and left, and then another running back behind him in the pistol, kind of an inverted wishbone look for the Cowboys. A lot of things you can do off of that as far as running options and passing options and a lot of different looks you can give defenses that they would have to prepare for. I I really liked that look. So the Cowboy rushing offense is at one is I believe 40 46 um with 191 yards per game. So the rushing offense is doing its job. The passing offense needs to come along a little bit. Now defensively, total the Cowboy defense 30th overall giving up 341 yards per game rushing wise wow uh, you just go back to the Colorado State game when they gave up 20 yards rushing gave up uh, 71 yards rushing to San Jose State New Mexico State minus nine they're going to need that kind of effort uh, next weekend uh, not this weekend but next weekend when they take on the Air Force Falcons so a bye week for the Cowboys lots of good numbers lots to be encouraged about lots to be enthused about but this is a team that is still growing and still improving and uh, Sean Chambers is going to get his first I believe, real test as the Wyoming Cowboys starting quarterback when the Air Force Falcons uh, visit War Memorial Stadium because uh, they have a very good defense as well. So uh, we'll see what uh, the Cowboys uh, dial up for Sean Chambers and that Cowboy offense against the uh, Air Force Academy. Cowboy wrestling got things going last weekend as well with the Cowboy Open. Uh, nine Cowboys uh, finished uh, finalist uh, for that, uh, winning their divisions, uh, which is a good start for such a very young team. Cowboy Wrestling really, really getting a boost and a shot in the arm from Bryce Meredith. Uh, His uh, runs in the NCAAs, uh, his two runner-up finishes, um, just uh, kind of captivating the state as his two runs and bringing Wyoming wrestling to the masses uh, with uh, what he did over the last couple of years. I did have a chance to speak with uh, Wyoming wrestling coach Mark Branch about the Cowboy Wrestling program. Visiting now with Mark Branch, the Big 12 Coach of the Year for the University of Wyoming Wrestling Program. Cowboys last season finishing fourth in the Big 12, 17th at the NCAA Tournaments, 12 All-Americans under Mark Branch's watch, and they come into this season ranked number 22 to start the year. Coach Branch, how are you? Thanks for taking some time and joining us today. Yeah, I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on the show. Coach, when I talk about that, ranked number 22 to start the year. Uh, from the season that you had last year where you finished 17th in the NCAA tournament and lose a couple of really key cogs to that team and to come back ranked number 22nd to start this year, what does that mean about this team and the program you're building in Laramie? Well, I, I, you know, I think we're there um, just based out of some some respect from our colleagues you know it's a it's a coach's poll that came out and in a dual ranking and you know we 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 really have to replace pretty much half of our starting lineup from last year um and so uh i I think it's just a respect thing because we definitely have a lot to prove um we're going to have to go out and earn that and we have a very very young team that's going to have to um make sure we don't wrestle young. If we if we wrestle like young guys, then 
then uh, you know we're we, we're going to struggle being that type of caliber program. So we we got to show some maturity, and um, you know, we, as a coaching staff, we're we're settled in and ready to be patient with this group, and and uh, we want to win right away. But at the same time, we're going to make sure we continue to uh, develop them throughout the season, and and we want to be um, obviously we're always looking to improve. So. There's nothing that, you know, we, we finished 17th last year at the NCAA tournament. Um, we want to keep climbing that ladder and, and do better than that this year. But we also know it's a long season and there's a lot of work to be done to, to, to even get there because you're right, um, we're replacing some, some guys that did an awfully – lot of special things for this university and this program. Now, Coach, you mentioned it's a respect thing. You don't get that respect, though, unless you've gone out and earned it. Uh, am I correct there? Well, we have, you know. I mean, I think that's – we have, you know, but it, in the past, but it's a new season, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's kind of something that I look at. Um, they're, they're looking at what we've done over the last several years. They're looking at the consistency that we've built. Um, you know, the thing is, like, I, I look at last year – um, they preseason had us ranked 10th in the Big 12. Um, that was probably what I would call a lack of respect because, uh, you know, I felt like we were getting some disrespect there. So this is kind of the opposite. I'm like, well, they've looked at the fact that when we're even maybe not supposed to do that well, that, that we've put, you know, solid teams out on the mat, and I think that's what they're basing that on because um, we do have a lot of shoes to fill. And, and when you're replacing half your dual lineup, um, you know, there, there's so many unknowns. that, and, and that, But that's the way it is across the country. There's a lot of unknowns, and we're going to have to go out and prove it. And uh, we've earned it in the fact that we've uh, this program has been consistent and we've been consistently solid and, and, and pretty darn good um, over the last several years. And, and so that's, that's pretty neat to see that respect, but we also know we have to earn it every day. Now you mentioned that, you know, don't go out and wrestle young. How do you, how do you not go out and wrestle young coach? Well, it's not easy. You know, I mean, we've, we've tried to, um, from a coaching preparation standpoint, we've tried to, you know, devote our time in some of those areas that we often see young guys struggle. So we've tried to kind of approach that, um, you know, but really it's just letting our guys understand. And, and, and you have you had somebody last year in Montori Bridges. Um, he was the only the second freshman All-American in this program's history. Um, we've, we've made sure to emphasize that that shouldn't be an outlier. That should be every year. You know, every year we want to have young kids that are All-American. That's the key to being, um, you know, a top ten program in the country. You need to have freshmen. Uh, All-Americans, you need to have sophomore All-Americans. If you're just relying on that occasional senior, junior, um, it's hard to really get uh, leverage to, to move to that next level. So we tell our young guys that, you know, we, we expect um, our, our young kids to be challenging every year, just like Montori did. And, and it's easier said um, than done, but when your teammate, do, you know, has, has actually stepped in and accomplished that, uh, I think it's more of a reality to go, man, we, we got a guy right here that made it happen. So um, they want to model themselves after guys like Montfori, and, and, and that's how you have to get those young guys to, to kind of grow up a little faster. Yeah, you mentioned Montori. You also had uh, Brandon Ashworth and uh, Sam Turner qualify for the NCAA tournament. How does their experience in that tournament and, and getting to that level help with this young team? 
Well, Branson's been there twice now, and and uh, I know he hadn't been happy with his performance, but he is, uh, you know, he's one of our few seniors even on the roster, and he's um, he's definitely got the most maturity of of anybody on the team, and he's consistently throughout his this is his fifth year on our in our program. He's been from from the get go. He's been one of the hardest workers in the room. So those guys, you know, we need leadership out of guys like Branson, uh, Montori. Um, Sam Turner's moving down a weight class. Uh, he he moved down to 141, where the vacancy from Bryce Meredith was, um, and I think that's something that can be a big benefit to him because, you know, he he had a great kind of a breakout freshman year. Uh, we didn't even necessarily look at him as our most likely starter last year, and yet he broke in the lineup and had a pretty darn solid year at 149. Now he's going to be moving down. Um, he's going to be bigger and stronger. He's doing a great job of, of really be, uh, being disciplined with his weight. And so, um, you know, we're looking for some big things, but we want him, you know, he stepped up consistently and this year been one of the hardest workers in our room, which was good to see. I think he's very motivated right now. We just need to get him out on that mat wrestling a little more aggressive, you know, and that was the one takeaway from this weekend. We had some guys that were, they were wrestling conservative, and they were wrestling to win matches rather than wrestling to just score points. And and uh, we want to simplify things and just have guys that go out and score, um, score early, score often. Um, wins and losses will take care of themselves, and we'll learn a lot faster if we go out and we wrestle. If we go out and we stand around and we don't do much, it's hard to learn and it's hard to get better. So that's kind of the message that we're sending to our guys right now because if we want to get better quick – we need to go out and make mistakes. And, uh, you know, that's something you don't coach probably in most sports. You don't go, hey, let's go out and make mistakes. But to be honest, we need to see what mistakes we're making to know what we need to fix. And if you go out and you just wrestle cautiously and you don't make any mistakes, you really have a hard time getting better. Now you mentioned uh, that uh, Sam Turner's moving into the uh, spot where Bryce Meredith was. And I, I mentioned you know you lost Bryce Meredith. You, Archie Colgan is also gone. What kind of impact did a guy like Bryce Meredith or Archie Colgan have throughout the years on this program? Uh, not as far as you know winning and losing. We know what they did on the mat, but in the wrestling room and and just uh, in helping lead. What kind of impact did they have? Well, they really helped. I think bond and, and form a very close knit team, and I would say last year's squad was was one of the closest teams I've ever I've ever been around. Um, they genuinely uh, fed off of each other. They liked each other. They motivated each other. They fought for each other, and those are some really empowering things for for a team. Um, and so that that's a tough thing to replace because we do have a, a lot of young guys that I don't know that they've. They've got connected not only to the program but to some of the older guys. So, you know, we need that to develop. And, and we've talked to some of our leaders about developing that because we need that connection, and we do. We need those guys standing back-to-back and fighting for each other. Um, we need them motivating each other and feeding off each other. And that's the thing that, you know, not only Bryce and Archie but all of our seniors last year um, I think they really brought that to the table. They, they genuinely cared for each other, um, and they were a brotherhood. And uh, so right now, you know, we have a little bit of a, of a gap there that we, we need. Um, I, I, I think the things that, that really ignite that is go, go 
be in a battle together. And that's what the season's about. We're going to go, we're going to go to war. Um, we're going to go to battle, and, and through those battles, you're going to look around and realize who's on your side. You're going to look at who's fighting for you. You're going to look at who is, um, you know, who's going to support you. And so those things are going to happen as the season goes. But, you know, it, it was such a strong, powerful force last year that you, you definitely feel that absence, um, and you realize that's going to be, um, a, you know, a really important thing for us to pay attention to and help nurture because, uh it's really going to be a difference maker for this team. Now you moved the Cowboy program moved to the Big Twelve. Uh, before that, you know, you racked up. I think it was what six Western Wrestling Conference championships. So you were bringing home some hardware. That move to the Big Twelve, uh, where you, you, I mean, talk about that move and how it can help this program grow and maybe get to that next level that you want to take it to. Well, you're right. You know, we, I mean, we were we were consistently um, in, in the mix for winning conference titles. But that didn't have a lot of uh, teeth to it, you know. It didn't really mean much. Now we, obviously, you just want to be the best, so you're you're always going to try to do that. But at the end of the day, you you won the conference championship and didn't necessarily mean you were relevant in the country. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're if you're fighting for a, a Big Twelve conference championship, that means you're going to be relevant, and and not just relevant, you're going to be one of the best teams in the country. So it raises that bar to go. Let's you know, let, let's put more focus on the conference. Let's go be, um, you know, competitive in the Big 12, and let's let's figure out how to win a Big 12 title because then if we're winning a Big 12 title, we're going to be challenging for a national title. So um, that that's one thing. But, you know, just the environment, the competition, um, the tournament itself is a two-day tournament, which means we weigh in twice. Um, the NCAA tournament's a three-day tournament where you weigh in three times. And so just the size of the tournament, the, the multiple weigh-ins, we wrestled the Big 12 tournament in the BOK Center in downtown Tulsa. Um, it's a 20,000-seat uh, 20, beautiful arena. Um, we wrestled the Big 12 finals up on a stage just like the NCAA. So it, it's a simulation. You know, our guys get a taste of what it's going to be like in two weeks when they go to the NCAA tournament. So that alone has been, to me, that legitimately gave Bryce Meredith the opportunity to go compete for a national championship because um, if that was gone, uh, it's really, I think you're a lot farther away from it as far as just knowing what it's like and getting prepared for it. So I think, to be honest, the move to the Big 12 really um, had a huge impact on Bryce's career and Bryce's success. Coach, how would you describe your coaching style? You hands-on guy, you get in there, you still get in there and mix it up with, with these guys? Yeah, I, I'm I'm really hands on when it comes to teaching, and and uh, I tell you what, I've slowed down when it comes to scrapping with these guys. I still get in there a little bit, but I've I've definitely noticed a pattern is when I jump in there and and, and scrap with the guys live. Um, I'm usually for about a week. I just don't want to be touched. I want everybody to leave me alone. <laughs> so I find that I'm I'm almost always something hurts after I do that. So. I still get in there. Um, I, I got on the mat this morning with, with our 197-pounder, and, and uh, we went through some drills and stuff. But um, I, I limit myself um, to, to kind of the exertion that I put out there because uh, as I get older, um, there's consequences. And that's a good lesson to learn in life. <laughs> well, it's that old Toby Keith song, right? You ain't as good as you once was, but it's you're as good once as you ever was, right? 
Uh, I can only try to be as good as I once was. <laughs> well, you know what? When you what what year was was pretty good, Coach uh, at Oklahoma <laughs> State. You were you were pretty darn good. You just signed a contract extension too before this season starts to get you through to the twenty twenty two twenty three season. Uh, what does that say to you about the commitment that UW has to to wrestling? Well, it, it it's a um, I think it's a great uh, match. You know. I feel like I'm a good match for this state, for this program, for this university, um, and and this, this state and this university is a great match for me, um, you know. So I think, uh, you know, same thing with recruiting. Like we're looking for those individuals that that can fit in here, um, and and I fit in here as a coach, and and uh, I've enjoyed what we've been able to do with this program, and and I'm excited. Um, about what the future holds. And the, to be honest, uh, I was just talking about this on, on a podcast this morning. Is It's starting my 11th year. It does not feel like I've been here that long. It still feels fresh and exciting. Um, with this young group I have right now, I, 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 think I've, I can't think of a time I've been more excited, even though I know that we have our challenges in front of us and I know that we have a lot of youth and we're going to have to really be patient I'm as excited as I've ever been, and, and uh, you know, I think that's, um, that's pretty cool because after, after the Cowboy Open Saturday night, I'm, I'm texting Matt Wisnett, who's the, you know, the deputy uh, athletic director here. I'm texting him. Um, he was texting me about the results. I was texting him about getting fired up. So mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't lost that excitement, and I think that's a sign of a good – a good match between me and the university. So heading up, you got the Northeast duels, and then uh, uh, just a couple of uh, home uh, duels. You have Nebraska and West Virginia also coming into Laramie. I think that's one thing I've kind of liked about what you've done, coaches. You've been able to bring some of the big name schools to Laramie and uh, get some of those matches in, and create excitement for Wyoming wrestling when you bring some of these bigger name schools in. Yeah, and you know we've been on the losing end um, of a lot of those duels with. The- <laughs> The schedule that we we put together, but at the same time, if you don't you know if you don't test yourself against the best, then you don't really ever know. Um, and so that's that, that's always been important to me is to to make our schedule um, make sure we don't pad it. You know, we're going to go out and try to hit the best competitors that we can find. We're going to try to hit guys from all over the country too, so that we get a little taste of different styles from different regions. Um, you know, but to me, if you avoid it, then you're going to know that you can't trick yourself. You can't lie to yourself. Um, so from an individual standpoint and a team standpoint, we'll take our losses, um, and, and, and we'll learn from them. You know, we don't ever just like, um, you know, we don't ever roll over because we get beat up. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go, Hey, we got beat up from the best program and here's why they're the best program. We saw it firsthand. Here's what we can Mm -hmm. do to close that gap. And, and so, you know, we don't shy away from competition, um, and, and we're excited. This, this, this year's schedule is probably the toughest uh, schedule I've ever put together from now until January. Now, second semester um, I don't think is, is quite as challenging as the first semester, but we still have to survive the first semester, and that's going to be a challenge in itself yeah. um, because we, we, we definitely have our hands full, and, and uh, it's going to be exciting to – to see what happens here in the next couple months. Now, Coach, I promised a friend of mine I would ask you this question. We were just uh, discussing, talking one day, wrestling, and your name got brought up, and uh, you know your national championships. And I 
he wanted me to ask you this question, so I promised him I would ask you this question. <laughs> he, he goes, I wonder what it's like to be Mark Branch and walk into a restaurant or someplace and know I'm the toughest guy in the room. It, it, what is it like to be that guy when you walk in and know you're the toughest guy in that room? Well, I tell my guys, um, my wrestlers, I said, you know, I remember the training I put in at Oklahoma State, and I remember, like, when the final whistle blew and practice was over, I wasn't bouncing out of the room. I would, many times I would collapse on the ground, and it would probably take me, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes to, to collect myself to get up and to walk to the locker room and the shower and to get dressed because I felt like I was going to die. But I said, but then when I walked across campus, I had my chest out a little bit because I knew I had done something that very few people could do um, and very few people were doing. And, and so I, I, I kind of like, I felt that way. Like I'm, I'm one of the toughest guys on this campus. And so that's something cool to do. Now I'm old and I, I don't want to be tougher than anybody. When I walk into a restaurant, I just want to know what I'm going to order as an appetizer. <laughs> that's kind of my, that's my thought process is if they have any specials going on today. <laughs> All right. Well, coach, Hey, it's certainly a pleasure visiting with you. Look forward to an outstanding season uh, of cowboy wrestling. And thanks for taking some time and sharing with us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Cowboy wrestling coach, Mark branch. And it must be an incredible feeling knowing that you can walk in and take anybody in the room. I've never had that feeling. Um, if you look at my stature, my weight, my age, I've never had the feeling of walking into a room like uh, Mark Branch can and just saying, you know what, I could probably take anybody in this place. And uh, a very great guy to talk to. And uh, we'll visit with uh, Mark as the season goes on for Cowboy Wrestling. Basketball underway as well. Cowboys and Cowgirls both have exhibition wins under their belts. And uh, the Cowgirls uh, looked very impressive in their win over Western State. Interesting for the Cowgirls. Six seniors, six freshmen. Some of those uh, freshmen look uh, very, very good. Uh, Carla Aravets uh, from Croatia looking outstanding. Quinn Weideman from uh, Omaha, the freshman, also looked like she has very good command of the floor. Uh, you know, Didn't get a chance to see the Taylor Rusks, the Bailey Cottons uh, throughout most of that game because it was just getting out of hand. So uh, they open up their season on Wednesday against uh, Shadron State. And I did have a chance to speak with Cowgirl head coach Joe Le- Gursky about his season, about his team's makeup, uh, and he even kind of talks a little bit about his future with uh, Wyoming Cowgirl Basketball. We are visiting with Wyoming Cowgirl basketball coach Joe Ligurski, the reigning Mountain West Coach of the Year. Cowgirls set to get their season going on Wednesday against Shadron State. Coach, thanks for taking some time joining us today. Certainly do appreciate it. Nah, Reese, thanks for the phone call. Coach, uh, you got things going with the exhibition game uh, just uh, over the weekend. But uh, before we talk about that, uh, just talk about this uh, team, I guess, coming into this season. Uh, you were picked fourth in the Mountain West uh, standings. Didn't have any uh, you know, uh, preseason all-conference players, of course, uh, having to replace uh, the Mountain West Player of the Year and Liv Roberts. When you look at this season, coming into this season, you know, what – expectations do you have that fourth place finish are you you glad to see that or is that something that scares you a little bit with such a a old and young team coach you know reese over the years when you're picked in the top half of the conference that's what other people expect from you and what we take a look at is that we have to develop as a group 
and see where we finish up at. Uh, there's so many variables that you have no control over. Uh, first and foremost is what the other rosters look like of who you're competing against. And then the biggest one is always injuries. And it seems like we've been hit with some injuries early. Uh, nothing that we've done since the start of practice, but what happened to players as uh, throughout the summer. And, you know, probably one of the ones everyone will notice immediately is Shalali is not here right now. She ended up uh, having an ACL injury uh, in the European Championships. She stayed home to recover. She'll join us in January, but still will not be able to play till 2019. Slajan has been slowed by an ankle injury. She just started practice last week. And Maria Torreblanca, one of our freshmen, and Corey Lavish, uh, a junior, both have not practiced because of injuries. So, you know, that, that's a big part of what happens. Now, for the players that we have, I'm excited about the uh, veterans in Marta, Gomez, Bailey Cotton, Taylor Russ, Clara Tapia. They've really stepped up. They're going to lead this group. But all of a sudden, then the reserves become all freshmen. And we're waiting to see how those freshmen develop. We think they're talented, but it's a, a different thing to go through the grind of a season that will last four and a half months. You mentioned uh, Shalala Kapans, coach. Uh, she's a player that uh, had gotten spot time here and there, but it towards the end of last season, it kind of felt like you could just feel her getting ready to take that next step. Were you getting that kind of feeling with Shalala, and you know, just how big was that injured this injury? Reese, you're you're spot on. You've been with us for 15 years, <laughs> and you see the development of players in this program, and I could not agree with you more. Shalali had made the jump, as we always talk about, uh, going from, say, a high school player trying to figure out how to play at this level, uh, the intensity that's needed, what you need to do defensively. Offense was never a problem for Shalali, and you could see her coming on and is a big was going to be a big part of this season, uh, being in a position to uh, get back out on the court and what Shalali gave us was a six foot two player that could stretch the defense by her ability to shoot the ball from outside but she was also starting to be a rebounder and just a great presence on the court and it's definitely one we're going to miss you mentioned she's staying home to have the surgery and to rehab i know you like to know what's going on with the uh, with the training staff that you have there i think megan does an outstanding job with the with your players why Why did she stay home? Would you rather have here under your eyesight, under your training staff, and know what's going on on a day-to-day basis? You know, Reese, this is a situation uh, that we took a look at, and it happened with her national team. And the national team is, uh, Shalali's a big part of that national program, and it's the same thing. Uh, they wanted it to happen on their watch, to have everything taken care of by them, it happened while she was playing for them. And so I just view that that was a positive for Shalali as well as for her to be able to be at home and uh, her, be around her parents right now to help her through this. Uh, there's a big emotional part of this. If it would have happened, as I say, on our watch with us, then it would have been completely different. Uh, but since it happened with the national team, that's where we deferred to them. 
Now, looking at the makeup of this team, you talked about the veterans and uh, the newcomers, Coach. It's six and six, six uh, seniors and six freshmen. You do, a lot of times you don't see a, a roster that is that top-heavy and that bottom-heavy. Uh, how, how did that dynamic come together, and how is it coming together right now? Well, Reese, I think it's a unique situation, and how it came about is that what you have is you have people that are redshirting in programs, you have people that are transferring from programs, and so you're just trying to fill the spots that are needed at the time. And I know two years ago we had a sole senior in Haley Lagaki, and uh, so we had that one scholarship to replace her, and we went with the junior college player. Uh, Slajana to be able to fill that role. And so now all of a sudden we have no freshmen in that class, but we only had the one scholarship. And so there's some unique scenarios that set up for you. And I have a feeling that moving forward, uh, this is going to be more commonplace. Rather than you having four players in every class and the class just moves together and that's where you're at, uh, because of transfers, I think the women had somewhere between four and 500 transfers in Division One a year ago. Uh, you're going to see more where the classes aren't as balanced, and you're just going to try to put the best team together that you can at that time and then deal with it in the future. You mentioned the returners. Obviously, I think a lot of attention is being paid to uh, Taylor Rusk. She really came on last year as a, as a go-to type of player coach, but she was a go-to type of player with a Liv Roberts standing next to her who was the conference player of the year. How difficult is for that player to have a player like Liv Roberts next to you who's the focal point of a lot of players, a lot of teams, the defensive schemes. Now all of a sudden she becomes the focal point. How difficult a transition is that? It's a very difficult transition, Reese. Uh, you're, you're in a situation where somebody else has taken the focus and teams game plan to that. Uh, Liv was definitely that, a player of the year candidate and recipient. And so Liv's junior and senior year seemed to take a lot of the focus and allowed people to be role players. And Taylor filled that need very well for us, uh, shot the ball extremely well from three, and just turned into one of our best defenders. Uh, now it's her turn as a junior to be able to step forward, and you're no longer that role player, and she's going to have to try to figure out how to get it accomplished when um, you're the focal point of things. And that's going to be a big step for Taylor this year. I think she's ready to do it. I'm looking forward to it. But it is a different mentality and how you're able to succeed. And hopefully Taylor makes that jump. And then you see people like freshman Carla Quinn being able to step up and be that role player that Taylor's been the last two years. Now, you also uh, look at a player like Marta Gomez, who has been the sixth player of the year for the last two years, Coach. Sometimes players just feel comfortable coming off the bench and providing a spark. Is Marta going to continue in that role, or is Marta going to be out there when the players are announced to start the game? Well, Reese, just like we talked about with Taylor having to change her role now, uh, so will Marta. Uh, Marta's going to be our starting four player, and what we're going to ask of Marta is more minutes. Uh, we even had a discussion yesterday with the team. Uh, you know, you take a look at Marta, who started, I believe it was every game her freshman year, and then found a role that suited her better and suited our team better 
to have her come off the bench. But now it's changed again for her. And so how quickly both Taylor and Marta adjust to a new role, and then as well as, you know, our steadfast Bailey Cotton. Uh, Bailey's only started every game since she's been here. Uh, but where Bailey's role's having to change, due to Shalali's injury, Bailey is now going to have to play at the four spot some, which back up Marta. And now that creates a situation where Bailey's going to be more on the perimeter. Her perimeter shooting's going to become a focus for us of what she can get done that way. By moving Bailey, you get an opportunity for Rochelle Tucker or Teresa Butalova to be able to step in and play at the five. And so when you start taking a look at how a team is put together, uh, one injury to Shalali has created so much movement with this roster uh, that I would probably say you, you don't think of the impact that that has. And yet Marta's going to need to be in a different role as well as Bailey. Coach, you, you took some time to spit to Teresa's last name out. Now, now you know what I'm going through. Usually in Prague, you can just yell out the first names. Now you've got all these these foreign players with these different names. you got to be on the ball with those last names, don't you, Coach? i tell you what, Reese. I had to pause for a second to make sure I pronounce it correctly. And uh, as we always tell our players, uh, you know what? You go to that pronunciation guide, and we're all listed in there, including myself. <laughs> and so uh, that's where we put it on you, because I can basically tell Teresa, or we tell her, hey, she's number two, we go, good job, too. And that's easy for me. You don't get that luxury. <laughs> well, you'd use numbers, too, when you had players like Kayla Woodward. You always had good job four. I mean, you just threw numbers out there anyway, Coach. But talk about that, the foreign influence uh, with uh, cowgirl basketball that we've seen over the last couple of years. It, uh, it, it, you've got some good players, uh, but it, it, is that the direction women's basketball at this level is headed, Coach? You know, Reese, basketball has become an international game over decades here. And I think it's just been an opportunity for uh, players to continue their education and continue playing basketball. And uh, I've always stated that, uh, you know, we start in Wyoming first. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that we have Tommy Olson from Worland, Wyoming, on this roster. Tommy's going to develop into a, a, a very good player for us. Uh, but that's where we start. And then from Wyoming, we look at the surrounding area, and then we start branching out even further after that and into Europe with assistant coach Boyan having his connections that way. But you start looking at every roster out there, and uh, it's dotted with international players. And that's top ten programs in the country all the way through to junior colleges throughout the United States. And so it, I think it's just become – something where everyone is just looking for to find players that want to be at their school. And I think that's the biggest thing is uh, in the end, I know we're excited about, you know, in about eight days, we're going to announce our signing class. And uh, we're real excited about our incoming class for 2019. And I think the fans are going to be excited about that. But uh, we're always looking to wherever we can get somebody to say yes to Wyoming 
and that's a big part of it. Coach, you mentioned earlier a couple of the freshmen, uh, Carla Aravets and uh, Quinn Weideman, uh, Quinn from Omaha. Uh, I, it was it was apparent in the exhibition game that those two were talented. They seem like they have an, a very good court presence and a court no, and court knowledge. Uh, it's going to be, I think, you know, knock on wood. It's going to be pretty fun watching those two grow up together in the backcourt. Race it really is. Uh, you know, Carla has the ability to play a one, and that's where we brought her in here to be a point guard. Uh, but she's really shown that she just can excel on the court, and we've even moved her to a three where we're waiting for Slajana to be able to practice more and get up to speed with what we've been doing. Uh, Quinn just comes in and plays rock steady. Uh, I thought she played like a veteran in our exhibition game. Gets eight points, some rebounds, assists, and the good part, both of them defend tremendously. They're very athletic, good feet, able to figure out what we're trying to do. And uh, as I tell them, it's a growing year for them. They're going to make mistakes, but they're making mistakes uh, through desire to get better. And uh, we're excited about what those two guards bring to the program. I think the fans are going to see them uh, for several years. And uh, as you say, knock on wood, I think our opponents are going to be wondering when they finally graduate because they're going to have an impact their freshman year. Uh, entering your 16th season, Coach, uh, you know, looking back, I'm, I've talked with you about this before. There's times where you said you didn't think you would coach 10. You're entering your, your 16th season, um, and through that time, you have come so close to winning a regular season conference championship, whether it's an injury or an illness or something. Does that, how does that, does that eat at you a little bit, Coach? Yeah, Reese, I think when you're in this profession that uh, – you know, the the goal is to get a championship. And uh, I know when we won the WNIT championship with Hannah Zovic, Jody Bowerjack, Dominic Sisk, Ustana Pajemska, uh, it just electrified this state. And there's so much that goes into it. It's, uh, it's not as simple as saying, here, we want to do this. Uh, you take back and you look through the years of the success that, say, Wyoming women's basketball has had over its lifetime here and it really makes you understand the challenges for not only myself for the previous coaches and we're all striving for that and some days there's uh good things that happen for you to give you that opportunity and then sometimes as that opportunity gets closer you may have some bad breaks that happen to you and when that happens it doesn't make it any easier because you know how close you were well We've been excited about Reese. Is that you know we have a tremendous following. Uh, that's probably probably the biggest thing that's changed. Uh, when I started here, we had 16 season ticket holders. We have probably close to 12, 1300 season ticket holders. Uh, we had three or four hundred fans come to a game. We had 2900 at our first exhibition game. That's been a plus. I think the fans have voted that they really like how we play. They like what the kids have brought to the table, and so that part's been exciting. But there's no doubt, Reese, I keep looking at it and want to keep driving and trying to figure out if we can get that championship. I know my family was ready for me to be done this past year. There was a lot of conversation in the Ligurski house about just retiring and, and moving on and doing those things, and yet I still enjoy doing this. 
And as long as I enjoy doing this and the university wants me around, Reese, uh, it's going to be me trying to find a championship. Well, you are Wyoming, Coach. You're a Rock Springs guy. You went to Wyoming. Uh, you, you have embraced this program, and the state has embraced you and this program. So uh, I think it's a pretty good fit uh, for everybody around. Well, Reese, I appreciate that. Uh, I know when I ended up getting the job, my wife said, what are we going to do when they fire you within five years? That was a positive conversation we had. And I said, well, if that happens, we'll have to make a decision then as to where we go. And uh, as it is, uh, we've won enough. I think we've done things the right way here. We graduate players. We care about what our players are doing beyond basketball. And uh, it's really helped us, and, and it's been enjoyable, and you're right. I'm brown and gold all the way, going to school here, understanding what this place is about and understanding what our fans go through to be able to watch us play in all our sports. I can't say enough about the fan base here at Wyoming and uh, appreciate it. And uh, it's been a great ride. I, uh, we've liked having you around, Reese. That's been a big plus for this. I know when we first started, it was supposed to be a home game only thing. Fought really hard to be able to get you to travel with us. And it's been a great ride for all of us to do this. And you're the one that ends up bringing the game to a, to a place in Turkey as well as a place in uh, Cheyenne. And I think that's important for our fans. Yeah, they might have not have any idea what I'm talking about, Coach, but at least it's the, it's the, it's out there, right? <laughs> well, hey, them Cheyenne fans understand that. They, they're pretty okay smart. They're you. pretty smart, aren't they, Coach? They've been taking. They're okay with you. <laughs> All right. Well, Coach, I can't believe another season is uh, underway. It's going to be a another fun ride, and we certainly look forward to it. And I want to thank you for taking some time and joining us. Hey, Reese. As always, thank you. You do a great job for us and for this state as well. And as I said, you are the voice of the Cowgirls, and that's a very important voice for us. That's Cowgirl head coach Joe Ligurski, and uh, he, he pays me some compliments, but I need to pay him a compliment and his staff compliments for taking us in. Uh, Margie and I have been doing these games for a long time, and they treat us uh, like part of their family and uh, part of the team, and uh, we certainly do appreciate that they have uh, opened up that program to uh, to us and uh, allow us the access that we do. Uh, you couldn't uh, ask for a better head coach, a better representative of the state uh, in Joe Ligurski, and not only uh, Joe, but his entire staff and how they run that program. It's been a, an absolute pleasure being associated with uh, Wyoming Cowgirl basketball for as long as uh, I have, and a lot of that pleasure comes from uh, knowing uh, Joe Ligurski and his staff, uh, Gerald Mattinson, uh, uh, Boyan Yankovic, Heather Ezell, uh, Fallon Lewis, all on that staff are just uh, top-notch. So I, I can't thank them enough for allowing us the access that we do have. It is a bye week for Cowboy football, so like I said at the start of the show, that opens up War Memorial Stadium for the High school football championships. Five champions going to be crowned at War Memorial Stadium. Everything starts on Friday. Wraps up Saturday evening at the War. A guy that uh, very familiar. A guy a lot of people know. A guy a lot of people recognize his voice. And a gentleman that, uh, well, I use that term loosely when I describe him. But uh, with WildPreps.com, uh, Frank Gambino. Uh, breaking down uh, a controversy 
that happened in one of the 3A semifinal games between uh, Jackson and uh, Torrington, and uh, giving his take on just uh, all five state championship games. Frank, incredibly knowledgeable about the prep sports scene in Wyoming, and uh, Frank Gambino and I had a chance to visit about state championship weekend in Laramie. Visiting now with, well, a very familiar name, a very familiar voice, a very familiar face when it comes to the sports scene in Wyoming, and that is Frank Gambino from WyoPreps.com. And, Frank, first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your day and enjoying us, uh, and joining us today. We certainly do appreciate it. No problem. Anything for you, my man. <laughs> Frankie, you are you are the best, Frank. Well, one of the reasons we're talking to you, Frank, it is a bye week uh, for Wyoming Cowboy football. And uh, coincidentally, that frees up War Memorial Stadium for uh, state championships, the high school state championships. All five of them will be played in Laramie at War Memorial Stadium uh, this weekend. And, uh, first of all, I just got to ask, I mean, when this th- first started going to Laramie, Frank, it didn't seem like it was – very well received, at least among parents and things like that, because they didn't necessarily want to have to travel to Laramie for these games. The kids, I believe, really, really enjoyed it. Throughout the years here, throughout your experiences, throughout what you're talking to, are we past that stage now? At the start of every year, the goal now is to get to Laramie. Are we past that, man, I don't want to go to Laramie stage anymore? We are way past that. I think the players get a kick out of it. You know, coming out of it, whether you whether you, they're they're dressing in the in the field house, whether they're dressing in the indoor practice facility or the new building, to them to come out on the field and play there is, I think, is a great experience for them. Is it gonna is it gonna be a lot of people there? No, but we're in Wyoming, but I think it's the right it's the right thing to have all the games at the same spot. And I can speak selfishly from the media part of it because you know, for us, you know, we 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 wouldn't even have enough people. To go to five different places in five different you know uh, times and stuff like that, we can we can see all five games two on Thursday, on Friday and three on Saturday and give everyone else the full picture of what's going on. You know what? And some of these things you're going to travel no matter what. What's the difference if you're in Sheridan traveling to to Laramie or Cheyenne to play a, a state championship game? What's the difference? Just, just go. Exactly. I mean, there, are, there are some, there are some people that you know, and I know, I know them that they're like, hey, you know, we worked all year, and you know, we want to have that small, that hometown, uh, you know, home field advantage for the finals, and it's a big civic event. And yep, you know what? But guess what? The rest of the country runs all five of their their, their state championship football games at a neutral site. Deal with it. Yeah, that's Frank. I don't think I could have said it any better than you know. Only somebody like you can pull off make a comment like that. So just flat out <laughs> deal with it. That's that's what makes you so special, Frankie. Is just deal with it, man. <laughs> I love that. You know what? It, it's not that bad of a deal on there. It's really not. I no, mean, I'm, just play the play the game for God's sake. Yeah, when I have a chance to, you know, when I'm not with the football team or with one of the basketball teams, I I get there uh, for everyone, and I thoroughly enjoy being able to just camp out and watch all of these games because I I'm seeing teams that 
I don't ever get to see all season long. I I have never the only time I get to watch a six man game, Frank, is at the state championships. And I tell you what, six man football in Wyoming is about as entertaining as it comes. And uh, for me to be able to sit there and enjoy a state championship game for six man, man, I I thoroughly enjoy that. It is uh, special. But going into this weekend, Frank, it's not without a little bit of controversy. This uh, happened in Torrington uh, in the semifinal game between Jackson and Torrington. Torrington. Torrington ended up winning that game, going for a, a two-point conversion to put it away. But it was late in the game, and there was question over clock management and the amount of plays that were run in the amount of time that were on the clock that was on the clock. Now, I know the Jackson athletic director is appealing to the Wyoming High School Activities Association and uh, formally protesting what happened. I did get a chance to see the WyomingFootball.com breakdown of what happened. Um, I find it hard to believe that you can run six plays in 10 seconds like they did. What do you think is going to come of this, Frank? You know, I, Patrick Schmidt from WyomingFootball.com had it exactly right. So he went down by the frame, and they ran six plays in, in, in real time, 15.7 seconds. So when you only had 8.8 seconds on the clock, and, they were on the, and Torrington was on the Jackson 8-yard line. So, you know, obviously somebody screwed up the clock bad. People initially are blaming the clock operator. You know what? Most clock operators make mistakes like that almost all the time. Look how, Reese, look how many times in college that the, the officials go, clock operator, please reset the clock to 2 minutes and 45 seconds. You know why? Because they are the ones that are supposed to be keeping track of the time, not the clock operator. So somebody on that crew there all of a sudden just lost track of, well, when this guy goes out of bounds, look at the clock or look on your watch or something and say, all right, we've got 4.2 seconds to go. I can't believe that, 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 that you know, in most, it's a disaster, and all disasters are a sequence of events. It's not just one. Now, on the other so Jackson, you know, they have, they have a legitimate beef. Absolutely they do. But, you know, Torrington won the game. Say, say Torrington wins on the 3A championship against Star Valley. There may be people going, you know what, you don't even deserve to be here. Because you, yeah. you got help from the officials in the, in the semifinal game. How, how is that going to come off? You know, and, and how, is, how are all the Torrington people going to react? You know what, the players and coaches, it's not up to them. So you know what, <laughs> we play the game. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I, I can understand that. But the bigger picture is that, you know what, maybe they didn't really earn the right to be there absolutely and positively. I still think Torrington will beat Star Valley. I yeah. that's that's you know because maybe they're going to use that all as motivation, but you know that's a sticky situation, and and you can bet that the Wyoming High School Activities Office is not going to reverse any officiating in any sport by by just because of mistakes or, or ineptitude. They're just not going to do it. It, it. it stands, and that's and that's the way that's the way it is. It is part of the human element of sports. Nobody seems to like it. It'll be here today. It was there on Friday. It'll be there on Friday and Saturday again. Yeah, it certainly will. And uh, not taking away from anything what uh, Mark Lenhart and the Torrington Trailblazers have accomplished. I mean, they're ten and zero. They're perfect on the season. That you know, you, you go back to the Colorado Buffaloes, Frank, getting a fifth down. People make yeah. mistakes, um, and you just have like you just have to roll with it and deal with it. But I certainly do feel for those uh, Jackson kids that think that they they had a trip to Laramie just snatched away from them because the officiating crew couldn't manage the clock in that situation. I, I, I feel for those kids. I really do. 
I feel I feel bad for him too. But you know what? It, it, now a, after all that is done, now it's time. You know, we got to move on. You know, Torrington is going to take the field in Laramie, and they're going to play Star Valley. And and Torrington's got a running back, Brian Lemon. He's really good. Yeah. I mean, he's got like over sixteen hundred yards of offense, and they are very very proficient. Actually, Torrington, when I saw them play in the first week of the season against Glenrock, I was impressed with their defense because Glenrock runs the ball to the max, and they have all these formations, and Torrington just held their own. You know, so I they're going to be they're you know they're they're good, and Star Valley's good too. They've only had one loss uh, this season, and that was to an Idaho team. Other than that, they'd grind people out, you know, and they, and they beat a, a decent Cody team in the semifinals, and there are, these teams are a lot alike. They just run, 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 and, but Star Valley is, like, straight. There's just, you know, there's no east and west running with them at all. It's yeah. north and south, tackle to tackle, and they try to out-physical you. So, I, you know, with all that little sideshow that's going on, I think the 3A game will be really, really good. It should be. I mean, Torrington, uh, they haven't won a state championship in, what is it, Frank, 28 years? Star Valley won one oh, yeah, two so- years ago. So one team is used to being there. The other one, not so used to being there at this point. I, always, I, I thought out of this year, the teams that um, have the most to play for is Natrona, Torrington, Bighorn and Farson. Those are the those four teams all finished second last year. And they're back. Better mm-hmm. probably with a better addition than what they put on the field a year ago. And Tor- I, I think Torrington, you know, last year Torrington, their quarterback got hurt in the game and uh, they just weren't. They just didn't play very well. I think all the motivation in that three A game is on is on Torrington's side. They have the, they have the right people, the right talent, the right coaching, but they have to be almost nearly perfect because Star Valley does not beat themselves. They just they just don't. Very little penalties, very little turnovers. If Torrington were to win that game, they would nearly have to be perfect. So Torrington and Star Valley play the second game on Friday, which is the 3 o'clock game. Things get going Friday at noon with the six-man game, and you mentioned uh, Farson Eden. They're 10-0 and coming into this one, Frank, against uh, Burlington, who is 6-4. Uh, and four. Uh, So, I mean, how do you see this one uh, shaping up? I mean, Burlington has uh, they've been there. Farson, you says you mentioned they lost it last year. I mean, if you just go based on records, it should be a Farson and Eden romp if you just look at the records. Yeah, with that being said, Burlington is the only team that's been close to Farson this year, and Farson needed to score on the last play of the game to beat Burlington. Burlington 6-4. and four. I'll say this about Farson, that Lane Mitchelson and that Clancy Gines, they can play for any high school team in Wyoming. Any of them. I don't care what class. They're that good. You see them in track. You see them in football. They're big kids for a six-man school. They, they're just fantastic athletes. They're the best athletes on the field in every single game they play. So when you see them running up 60 points, 70 points, 80 points, this is no surprise because the, the, those two kids are really, really good. But I think they're going to be, they'll have far too much talent for Burlington to deal with. And, you know, and Burlington's got some nice players, too, that Dante Garza's a good player, and their, their quarterback, Cook, is a, is a nice player. But I, I would rank, uh, I, I would give Farson to be the heavy, heavy favorite in that game in six-man. You mentioned the points that I do the high school report, and I look at those six-man scores sometimes, and I just kind of chuckle, Frank. I mean, it's, it's video game scoring is what it looks like sometimes in some of those uh, six-man games. I mean, they just put up points. At one right after another in some of those situations. You just you look at those scores sometimes and you just shake your head and just go, wow, how do you even score 90 points in a game? Well, you know what, with a field that, you know, 80 yards long, I mean, teams don't punt. 
Why, why would you? <laughs> you know, just you know, you go off four downs to get you know, and it's fifteen yards for a first. You know, so uh, just why bother punting? Wherever you're at, just keep going. If you give up the ball and the other team scores, you're going to get it back really fast. And just go down the field yourself. Go down and so, score again. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Fun I mean, you got all these. You, you got all these. Everyone's eligible, you know, and just just. Um, I, I think it's a blast to watch. I mean, that six-man football here in, here in Wyoming is is the old old slice of Americana. You know, small schools where their enrollment is less than one hundred, and sometimes closer to fifty. You know, where your senior class is like six. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is the kind of stuff that you want to watch all the time. Is it? It, it, it is absolutely classic. Well, that brings up the question you mentioned: class size. I mean. There was a problem this year with forfeits, Frank. Uh, teams, yeah. you know, schools not being able to have enough uh, kids to put together a football team. And I know the Activities Association is trying to do things to to mitigate that or try to limit the amount of forfeits, but that was a huge issue this year. Well, yeah, I mean, Saratoga, among others, uh, had the forfeit games. You know, Midwest had the forfeit games. When you've only got, you know, on the six-man thing, you think they've only got maybe, at max, 12 or 13 players, really. And if you get some guys hurt, you know, that's max. You know, if you get some guys hurt, then, then uh, you know, it, it makes it tough. I mean, Midwest, I saw a couple of their games, they probably only had eight, eight, eight or nine guys in uniform. Yeah. Then they lost four to injury. Well, <laughs> that's it. I mean, I know that they've explored nine-man football but I'm not sure exactly what they want these other schools to do. I mean, are you playing 11-man? Then, then, okay, we want you to move down to nine so we have enough teams. And then if you're playing six, do we want you to move up to play nine? Yeah. And who's left with six? And who's left with 11? And I mean, you know what? It, it, it's almost hard to explain, but there's been a lot of schools that have had to forfeit a lot of games, and it's, it may be enrollment numbers, it may be injuries too, and you just don't have enough kids, and and don't, and you know they're not going to put, they're not going to go out on the field knowing that they're going to get drilled when they can just opt out, yeah. and maybe 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 that's the way they should go. So you know what, if we don't have enough kids, enough, enough healthy kids. Let's just drop the game, and we'll move on. Exactly. So moving on to the games on Saturday, the first one, 10 o'clock, the 2A title game, Buffalo and Mountain View. Uh, Mountain View, uh, to believe the defending uh, 2A champs, Frank. Uh, so, you know, they, it's a team that's very familiar with uh, where they're at in Laramie. Uh, so how do you see this one shaping out? You know, Mountain View last year trailed Glenrock in that championship game and then rallied to win because they had more energy. And, and Glenrock ran out of gas, and Mountain View didn't run out of gas. You know, they got that Braden Walk and that Kimball Matson in that game, in that championship game last year. Each guy played quarterback, and then each guy played receiver, so they were throwing touchdown passes to each other. <laughs> it was the strangest <laughs> thing. I mean, uh, uh, but, and then at the end of the game, Matson was the, what ended up being their quarterback, throwing it to uh, Braden Walk and for for the winning touchdown and. Uh, they're good, and that's not including uh, that Brigham Blue Mel. So they have all the talents to win it again, and they had to rally again last week. Glenrock was up 14 points, and then Mountain View said, "You know what? We're we're in, we're in better condition. We're you know, we're, and we're just going to play football." And then they end up winning the game. On the Buffalo side of that thing, 
here, here's a team that went from 3A to 2A, and it was like a gift from heaven. Wow, we don't have to deal with the Star Valleys and the Cody's anymore, and we can really make some hay in Class 2A, and they did. I watched them play earlier this year uh, at Glen Rock, and they won a game on the last play of the game. I mean, and I look at stuff like that going, you know what? You got some karma going on here, and you got some destiny going on here. And that's exactly what it is. That Luke Lassick and that Aaron Teal, I mean, they're, they're good players. And, um, and they're more the sum of the whole, you know what I'm saying, is that there's, they, they got good players, but they're all over the place. Nobody really great, but solid. They lost it to, to Douglas to start the season, and they've run, they've run the table since. Mm-hmm. But I would, take, I would take Bowden View and that I think they have, a little, they have a little bit more talent and certainly the experience of playing in the championship game to know exactly what they're doing and, and don't freak out when things get rough. Yeah, the 1A game is at 1 o'clock, a battle of Beatons, a Bighorn, and Cokeville. These are two teams that are very familiar with being on the championship stage. Uh, I, it's just amazing to me. You know, We can talk about Bighorn, but it's amazing to me what they have accomplished in Cokeville as far as putting together a program that goes out and wins championships. I mean, what they have done in Cokeville with the size of that community, Frank, is, is remarkable. Oh, it is, and, and and look at their travel. I mean, <laughs> you know, they've they're, 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 nothing is really ever kind of close to them, and and and, and forbid that they've got to come all the way over to the eastern side of the state to play a game in one A. I mean, that's a long trip. I mean, so their travel has got to be the worst in in one A. But you know what? They have got guys, and and you, you don't look at them as football sometimes, and although I do, you look at their their, their wrestling team. Their wrestling team always is in the top two or three, and their guys are always in their weight classes in the top two or three, and they're all football players. That Bentley Johnson is a good wrestler. That Lachlan Tykert is a good wrestler. I mean, they, you know, you're so small, but they, they, for a school that everybody has to do everything, but you know what, they, they get the max out of what they got, and they, and they play very smart athletics, smart football. I mean, smart basketball not a lot of fouls you know so on the football side you know what no penalties no turnovers and let's just do that uh you know they're playing bighorn and i'll tell you what bighorn's line on both offense and defense is as good as anybody i think i've seen regardless of class they got that seth Bolinax, and i'm not sure where he's going to college at but he is big and his men and his friends on the line are big and then they open up big holes for that uh, Isley and Pellisier, and they just they just run the ball down people's throats, and then they throw over the top for touchdowns. I couldn't believe that they rang up over 60 points against Pine Bluffs last week, and Pine Bluffs is a, is a good team. So my guess is that and, and last year Bighorn beat Cokeville in the semifinals 12-7. to I think Bighorn may, may dominate the game. Really, I, I think they are. Well, just, they are really, really good. Yeah, I mean, just Sheridan County in general. You got Bighorn and Sheridan both represented in the state championship. I mean, Sheridan County people are getting spoiled with these uh, teams they're throwing out there on the field, Frankie. Oh yeah, they, and, and 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 it keeps going on and on and on. I mean, and it wasn't too long ago that Tongue River played yeah. the two A championship game with uh, the one A championship game with John Scott as their coach. You know. Uh, I don't know. There's something in the water up there. We're going <laughs> to find out what's going on up there. Well, I think Trevor Jackson's drinking it as well. The 4A game is the nightcap, and uh, this is Casper Natrona and uh, the Sheridan Bronx. And I think if you look at this, I think people might have kind of been surprised that Sheridan is back in this position. I mean, 
they have an incredible program. Don Julian has established a winning culture back up in Sheridan, but when he stepped down and they lost so many guys from that state championship team that, what, capped a three-peat at that point, Frank? To see Sheridan back here um, is is pretty impressive for the, for the new head coach. And then Natrona, you know, everybody expects them to be in this situation a lot of times, but, boy, did they have a tough one against East in that semifinal. Right, and you know what, I'll, I'll give Natrona a lot of credit in that game. They could have let that game get out of reach pretty fast. When Cheyenne East went ahead 14 to nothing, and they seemed to have the momentum of making plays, Natrona never wilted. And they started making plays with their own defense and then, and then waited for their chances, and then all of a sudden that tide seemed to turn physically. And Natrona's got a 1,500-yard rusher in that Dante Wallace. I mean, everyone tries to tackle him by grabbing his jersey and, his, and tackling on the upper body, and he keeps his legs going, and he just keeps going and going and going. It's like you need two or three guys to, to tackle the guy. Then they brought in a quarterback who was a sophomore, this Harrison Taubert. He didn't play the varsity down until, like, the third, fourth, fifth week of the season. And then all of a sudden looks great. He's got a good arm. He runs, and they just seem to find these guys. I think all the motivation for this game, to be honest with you, in 4A is on the Trona side because they lost the last two 4A state championship games to Sheridan. Last year was a close game. The year before that wasn't so close. Finally, and I think this is the matchup that everyone wants to see, Natrona versus Sheridan. On the Sher- and and during, the, during the regular season, Natrona really hammered Sheridan, but their, part, that their star running back, Parker Christensen, he's the UW signee, mm-hmm. he only touched the ball six times. Really? In the whole game. So I'm wondering if he had some, uh, you know, maybe some injury issues prior to that. I think Sheridan played Cheyenne uh, the game prior to Natrona. So yeah. I, you can bet that that dude is not going to touch the ball only six times on Saturday. Well, He's the man. To tell Wyoming, tell Wyoming fans listening to this uh, a little bit about Parker Christensen. I hear his name all the time. Uh, he seems like uh, he's he touches the ball, plays offense, defense. Uh, t- talk a little bit about that guy and what uh, you know he you think he could bring to the University of Wyoming. I think one depth. I mean, look look let's, let's look at this. Who was punting for the Cowboys this this last week? Yeah, against Don, San Jose State. Dante Crow. <laughs> from Sheridan High School in Wyoming. I think they're good enough athletes and smart enough to bring something to the college table. Uh, you know, maybe they switch positions. You know, maybe maybe he'll be on defense. Maybe he'll be a running back. Maybe they'll, they'll you know, make him a tight end. you got Matrona kids like Mr. Harshman, who got hurt earlier in the season for the Cowboys. You know what, if he plays, he's productive. I mean, they're, they're, Wyoming does have players that can that can make a difference at the Division One level. You know, Christensen, I think, is that guy, since he, he can do so much, Bull and his staff are just going to have to say, you know what, should we retreat you right away and then develop you and then develop you into what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, who knows, you know? I mean, it could be a number of positions, you know? I mean, that's, and I think that's, that's, that's a real good uh, indication of his versatility. Frankie, it's always a pleasure visiting with you. You uh, you know an incredible a lot a lot about uh, the high school scene uh, working for uh, WildPreps.com. And I need to thank you and WildPreps.com for all the help you guys provide me throughout the season coming up with scores and things like that. But uh, it's always a fun weekend when uh, it's in Laramie State Championship weekend. Uh, five state championships, five state champions going to be crowned at War Memorial Stadium. Frankie, I know you're going to be there. Certainly
certainly do appreciate you taking some time and, and sharing your thoughts with us on the, uh, the upcoming uh, state championship weekend. Appreciate it, man. Reese, anytime, but let's chat again. Frank Gambino with WildPreps.com. It is a championship weekend in Laramie, and if you get a chance, go watch it. It's a great weekend, a great event for those high school kids to play uh, some of them uh, their last football game ever at War Memorial Stadium. And I tell you what, Tyson Drew, the facility staff, and the whole athletic department does an incredible job putting on these state championship games for these kids and these teams. And uh, hopefully uh, it'll be memories of a lifetime. I know if you the kids that win, it's going to be an incredible memory. If you lose, uh, it'll sting a little bit, but it'll still be an incredible memory for those guys. So a state championship weekend for high school uh, football in Laramie. All five state championship games will be decided on Jonah Field at War Memorial Stadium. That's going to do it for the Wildcast. Once again, would like to thank uh, the Wyoming Sports Information Department, Tim Harkins, Nick Siemens, uh, Harry uh, Endicott, and Sean O'Sullivan for their help in arranging some of these special thanks to uh, Frank Gambino as well for coming on and joining us and uh, producer Kyle Lathrop for his help with the Wildcast. This is the Wildcast. Thanks for making us a part of your day, everyone. And as always, the world needs more Cowboys. You've been listening to the Wildcast with Reese Monaco. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.